If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of April 25, 2021. The podcast that invented the foot-powered wheelchair. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's get a wise the news of the bogus. It looks like governments are finally getting the idea and starting to lift COVID-19 restrictions. Texas did that a month and a half ago, but despite the fact that politicians, the news media, and the Twitterati were all screaming that Governor Greg Abbott was a murderer and that this would result in millions more deaths in Texas, the numbers have not only stayed low, they've gotten lower. I know. The opposite to what the doomsayers predicted. Who'd have thunk? Now other countries are following suit. The Brussels court has ruled that Belgium must remove all coronavirus measures within 30 days as the result of a lawsuit filed by the League of Human Rights. The court ruled against Belgium using ministerial decrees to implement policy instead of the policy being passed through Parliament. A spokesman for the League said, quote, The judge ruled that the principle of legality has been violated because the current way of working is not foreseeable enough. In other words, the ministry shouldn't be able to just enact decrees arbitrarily. The arguments are nearly identical to the ones challenging the 2020 election in the U.S., saying that a lot of the ballot measures in several states were arbitrarily enacted by the executive offices, not passed through the proper legislative process. If Belgium doesn't lift the restrictions after the 30-day period, they'll face a penalty of 5,000 euros a day. Meanwhile, Ireland has been lifting a lot of its restrictions, including raising the 5-kilometer limit on travel to 20 kilometers and returning all children to school. Construction can resume, but people from two households still cannot meet indoors or in private yards or return to the workplace. Acting Chief Medical Officer Dr. Ronan Glynn warned people not to take this as any kind of signal that things are getting better. This goes back to what we were saying from the very beginning. What would be the criteria for ending the lockdowns? First, it was 15 days to slow the spread. Then hospitals needed four weeks to prepare. As things kept going, we asked the question, how long will this go on for? Do we keep locking down for a year until there's a vaccine? We were flamed for it. But we were right. It's long past time to end this madness. If you're looking for ways to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand advertisements, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to listen to the podcast and all of my videos on BitTube.tv or LBRY.tv to get cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. Or if you listen to the podcast at the podcast page, you'll also generate crypto. You can also go to airtime.bogosity.tv to get the airtime extension and generate crypto for yourself and the creators on the web anywhere you go, including my YouTube channel. Get five tubes free just for installing the extension and signing up, and then simply browse the web as normal. Easily monetize your favorite creators and yourself with cryptocurrency without advertising on BidTube.tv or LBRY.tv or with the Airtime extension at Airtime.Pagosity.tv.
one of the complaints has been about how COVID deaths are attributed. On death certificates, the cause of death is listed as well as comorbidities. But requirements to list a detected SARS-CoV-2 infection have been inflating the death figures. Because there's a difference between dying from the virus and dying with the virus. But politicians in the news media, and even a lot of crony health organizations, have been calling any listing of a SARS-CoV-2 infection on a death certificate as a death from COVID. The most ridiculous has to be when the New York Times listed a man as a COVID death when the actual cause of his death was homicide. He just happened to be infected with SARS-CoV-2 at the time. Recently, more and more medical organizations have spoken out against this practice, agreeing that the COVID deaths have been overinflated by this practice, including Dr. John Lee, consultant pathologist for the NHS. Over a year ago, he wrote, We don't really test for flu or other seasonal infections. If the patient has, say, cancer, motor neuron disease, or another serious disease, this will be recorded as the cause of death even if the final illness was a respiratory infection. This means UK certifications normally under-record deaths due to respiratory infections. Now look at what has happened since the emergence of COVID-19. The list of notifiable diseases has been updated. This list, as well as containing smallpox, which has been extinct for many years, and conditions such as anthrax, brucellosis, plague, and rabies, which most UK doctors will never see once in their entire careers, has now been amended to include COVID-19, but not flu. That means every positive test for COVID-19 must be notified in a way that it just would not be for flu or most other infections. If any of these patients dies, staff will have to record the COVID-19 designation on the death certificate, contrary to usual practice for most infections of this kind. There is a big difference between COVID-19 causing death and COVID-19 being found in someone who died of other causes. Making COVID-19 notifiable might give the appearance of it causing increasing numbers of deaths, whether this is true or not. It might appear far more of a killer than flu, simply because of the way deaths are recorded. Unfortunately, we haven't had good numbers as to how many deaths were misattributed, but now we have new data from the UK Office for National Statistics that show that 23% of registered COVID-19 deaths are misattributed. The patients tested positive for SARS-CoV-2 at the time of their death, but the virus and its effects were not the listed cause. Not that it's doing anything to convince Boris Johnson to lift COVID restrictions. He says the lower numbers are totes due to his wonderful policies, and that whole vaccine thing is just a coincidence. Quote, It is very, very important for everybody to understand that the reduction in these numbers, in hospitalizations and in deaths and infections, has not been achieved by the vaccination program. People don't, I think, appreciate that it's the lockdown that has been overwhelmingly important in delivering this improvement in the pandemic and in the figures that we're seeing. So yes, of course the vaccination program has helped, but the bulk of the work in reducing the disease has been done by the lockdown. We've covered the peer-reviewed science, published in journals such as Nature and the European Journal of Clinical Investigation, showing that lockdowns haven't really been effective. Unless, of course, you cherry-pick your favorite countries or ignore the timing of it. I'd like to reiterate again how much I hope people have learned from this horrendous experience.
If you're on the Wi-Fi in the coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. And an update to our earlier coverage of the new European copyright laws, including Article 17, which, among other things, mandated expensive filters for any website with user-generated content, even though European politicians denied the requirement. They kept claiming there was no such mandate, but there's absolutely no other way to comply with the law. When politicians tried to describe alternate ways, they just described filters without using the word. But pretty much as soon as it passed, France pushed for filters and ignored what few protections there were in the law for the rights of users. Spain had already made such requirements in legislation that was the model for the new copyright directive. But, back in 2019, Poland moved for the Court of Justice of the European Union, CJEU, to toss out the requirement. That's still making its way through the legal process, but it does seem to be having a positive influence on the European Commission's guidance in reconciling the contradiction of filters and user rights. That might change, however, due to intense lobbying by the big content creators. In an open letter on Article 17, the International Communia Association, in conjunction with 20 other users' rights organizations, said, quote, we are concerned that the Commission has not managed to publish its guidance on the application of the article yet. There have been indications that the Commission is considering weakening the very fundamental rights safeguards that have been central for its argument in favor of the Directive's fundamental rights compliance before the Court. We urge the Commission not to weaken its guidance through open-ended exception clauses that seem to benefit particular rights holders at the expense of users' fundamental rights. In an accompanying article, they wrote, by issuing guidance that substantially diverges from the position taken before the CJEU, the Commission would indicate that it is ultimately lacking the political will to ensure that the required fundamental rights protections will be included in national implementations of the directive. Over the past few months, the final version of the guidance has been the project of intense, behind-the-scenes political wrangling between different parts of the Commission. In February, MEPs critical of the principles expressed in the draft guidance held a closed-door meeting with Commission representatives and select member states opposing the Commission's position. A high-ranking member of the Cabinet of Executive Vice President, who oversees this file, received a delegation of rights-holder organizations who have been rallying against the principles underpinning the Commission's draft guidance to discuss the copyright directive. There are indications that the Commission might cave to the copyright bullies, but the legal action from Poland seems to be causing a major problem for them. Communia pointed out, quote, A weakened version of the guidance would undermine the Commission's credibility with the CJEU, who ultimately needs to decide on the fundamental rights compliance of Article 17. 
Having argued that the upcoming guidance would signal a strong commitment to protecting users' fundamental rights, any weakening of this position by the Commission would give the Court additional reasons to annul Article 17 as requested by the Republic of Poland. In other words, the draft guidance, which will be released well ahead of the CJEU advisory opinion in July, will either defend user rights in its guidance or face the CJEU eliminating Article 17 completely. Which, hopefully they'll do anyway. We can dream, at least. Do you have children? Or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling? Or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to vitrify this week's Biggest Bogan Emitter. And this week it's another one to the news media because we finally have an answer on how Officer Brian Sicknick died. We covered earlier how it was not a violent attack from those involved on the Capitol building occupation on the 6th of January. And we now know for sure how he died. And as Glenn Greenwald points out, just like with all that Russia crap, they will never acknowledge that they got this wrong. It was the New York Times on January 8th who published the emotional but completely false story of Sicknick having his skull bashed in by a fire extinguisher wielded by a Trump supporter who was part of a violent mob. There were about a million different reasons to be skeptical of this story from the word go. No witnesses corroborated it. No one claimed it on the record. There was no blunt trauma in the autopsy. And Sicknick's own family kept urging the media to stop spreading this story which they knew was false because he called them on the night of the 6th after it was all over and told them he was fine. His own mother said she believed he died of a stroke. And spoiler alert, if they just listened to mom, they would have gotten it right. But the media needed Sicknick to be murdered by the mob because without him, the only ones killed were four Trump supporters, only one of whom died from violence when she was shot point-blank by Capitol Police despite being unarmed. Unlike a bunch of other similar cases recently, the cop in question here will not be prosecuted. And it was so important, this false narrative, that it even made it into the official record of Trump's second impeachment trial. Joe Biden himself read off from the script even after the clear facts proved it couldn't possibly be true. But no matter how much the narrative crumbled, the Democrats and the news media clutched onto it harder and harder, with anyone who is being remotely skeptical being decried as truthers, white nationalists, and supporters of insurrection. 
Greenwald knows all about that because he was constantly attacked and had his character impugned just for trying to be a real journalist. And I feel I have to point it out again, Greenwald is a leftist. He is not in any way a Trump guy or alt-righter or anything like that. Yet he was smeared as a fascist and a white supremacist who was living in a bubble of misinformation. Confession through projection, anyone? Even the ones who had to admit that he wasn't killed with a fire extinguisher had to resort to Plan B, changing their story to say that he was murdered with bear spray, which generally isn't fatal. But apparently, Sicknick had an allergy to it. How do they know that? Because they needed him to. At any rate, we finally have the official ruling of the D.C. chief medical examiner who said that Sicknick had two strokes and died of natural causes. Yep, shoulda listened to Mama. I looked through stories on this posted by the New York Times, CNN, WAPO, Politico, and the AP looking for any sort of self-reflection or anything remotely resembling regret for having gotten it so wrong. Nothing. Of course, the Twitterati are doubling down and saying it must have been from an attack by rioters. The DC medical examiner must be lying to protect the other cops. But the other side's the conspiracy theorists, you know. The report also said, quote, If death is hastened by an injury, the manner of death is not considered natural. And it was found to be natural, so it was not hastened by an injury. QED. Greenwald wrote, Truth matters. Noble lies are never justified no matter the cause, especially in journalism. But these employees of corporate media outlets have been taught the exact opposite model, that their primary obligation is to please and flatter the partisan agenda and political sensibilities of their audience, even if it means lying or recklessly spreading unproven theories to do it. That is their profit model, and they have trained their audiences to want and expect this and that is why they never feel compelled to engage in any self-critique or accountability when they get caught doing this. Their audiences want to be lied to. They are grateful for it, and would prefer that they not admit they did it so that their partisan interests will not be undermined. What is most depressing about this entire spectacle is that, this time, they exploited the tragic death of a young man to achieve their tawdry goals. They never cared in the slightest about Officer Brian Sicknick, they had just spent months glorifying a protest movement whose core view is that police officers are inherently racist and abusive. He had just become their toy, to be played with and exploited in order to depict the January 6th protest as a murderous orgy carried out by savages so primitive and inhuman that they were willing to fatally bash in the skull of a helpless person or spray them with deadly gases until they choked to death on their own lung fluids. None of it was true, but that did not matter and it still does not to them, because truth, as always, has nothing to do with their actual function. If anything, truth is an impediment to it. So all of that gives the news media yet another biggest bogan emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. 
To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's anthologize this week's Idiot And it's another one for California, this time for their educational system saying, get this, that math is racist. The Pathway to Equitable Math Instruction claims that white supremacy culture has infiltrated math classrooms. White supremacy manifests itself, they say, on finding the right answer and showing your work. Instead, they recommend teaching ethnomathematics. They also identify objectivity or, quote, the belief that there is such a thing as being objective or neutral is a principle of white supremacy. The documentation actually says, quote, The concept of mathematics being purely objective is unequivocally false, and teaching it is even much less so. Upholding the idea that there are always right and wrong answers perpetuate objectivity as well as fear of open conflict. Lori Myers, co-founder of Educators for Quality and Equality, said, quote, With California schools consistently performing below average in math on both the CAASP assessment and on our nation's report card, it's especially important that the State Board of Education provide us educators with resources that contain research-based best practices for improving outcomes and reject resources that demean teachers and single out one race for blame. We ask that the state provide us with a mathematics framework that reflects sound, research-based practices over political ideology. I don't even know how to respond to that level of stupid. The California Department of Education's draft framework makes multiple references to the Equitable Math Program and lists it as a resource for support. It also says, quote, a focus on equity recognizes that mathematics over the years has developed in a way that has excluded many students. Because of these inequities, teachers need to work consciously to counter radicalized or gendered ideas about mathematics achievement. It is common for people to claim that avoiding aspects of race, culture, gender, or other characteristics as they teach mathematics means they are being equitable. But the evolution of mathematics in educational settings has resulted in dramatic inequities for students of color, girls, and students from low-income homes. Active efforts in mathematics teaching are required in order to counter the cultural forces that have led to and continue to perpetuate current inequities. Or, you know, they could study more. They also called for students, quote, to reclaim their mathematical ancestry, whatever that means. I would say this could only happen in California, but actually Oregon had previously defended this program. Brickbats to them. But I really have to give it to California, who also proposed having school children chant the name of Tezcatlipoca. 
An Aztec god who demanded human sacrifices by cutting out a devotee's heart while he was still alive. Whoever criticizes that program is doubtless a white supremacist, an ethno-fascist, and even worse, a Trump supporter. So all of that gives California yet another... Idiot Well, that wraps up this You Are Cynically Exploiting the Fact That We've Been Beheaded edition of the Bogosity Podcast. If you enjoyed it, if you did, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar and you can listen early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Tom Lehrer. Not only do they prohibit discrimination on the grounds of race, creed, and color, but also on the grounds of ability. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.